Well, me personally, um, putting my finger on one dish, man, that's a hard thing to say. I think like lots of kids, you know, mac homemade macaroni and cheese that your mom might make on the weekend is always. That was the voice of Matthew Ingram, and he's joined by Raphael Witver, who are the executive chefs at Roots in Zurich, and they are our guests today. This will be the first time we talk to two chefs at once. So grab yourself a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, depending on your preference, and come join us as we talk all things chefy on Grab a Drink with a Swiss Chef. Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Kershaw, and our featured guests today are two exciting chefs of the plant-based restaurant Roots, and that is Raphael Whitver and Matthew Ingram. Um, Raphael is the executive head chef, and Matthew is his deputy. Roots has about four locations in and around Zurich city center. Perhaps you've seen them. The main location and I believe their first restaurant um, is at Linthershire Gas 15, and that's in the heart of Zurich. Actually, it's really very close to, to Globus, so go ahead, check it out. I'm really happy to have these guys on the show, and hopefully you enjoy listening, and I really, really encourage you to visit their restaurant at some point in the near future. Each chef has his story, and these are two exciting stories. Enjoy. So today I'm joined with Raphael and Matthew from Roots, uh, the plant-based restaurant uh, in Zurich. Guys, welcome to the podcast. It's nice of you to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's, uh, thanks for the invitation. Super. Look, before we get into it, um, I have like a very simple question. And I ask this on all the podcasts, and that is, what are you guys drinking? Well... <clears throat> I'm having a freshly brewed mate tea flavored with some mint just to wake me up now after a long day of work. I'm having a bio-swiss kombucha with mountain herbs uh, fresh from the cooler. Just something, yeah, refreshing, cooling at the end of this long day. Okay, very nice. So look, actually, this is the first time we've had two guys on on the show at the same time so i hope the format works um and before we get into it before we talk about you and your story can you just give me a little about the the restaurant you know what is it for folks that don't know it what's the concept how did it come about and basically what are you guys doing there so what can i say we are 
basically like the first um, restaurant or canteen of this kind in Switzerland, which works uh, completely with plant-based products. So what we do here is trying to motivate people to eat more plants without forcing them to. So we're trying to keep it easy and nice and simple, comforting with our dishes. And so far it seems to work out. We attract a lot of um, customers, not only for ON, because this restaurant works also in a collaboration with ON, and I would say like at least 50% of our customers come from external businesses, which is pretty cool for us. So it seems like our concept worked until now. And, and what is your role at Roots? So I'm an executive head chef, so I'm responsible for the canteen here, together with Matty, he's my deputy. Plus also we take some responsibility in like the menu planning for the rest of the Roots restaurant all over the city. Okay, and how long, have, uh, how long has Roots been open in Zurich? Oh, the first one, I think like about six years ago, the first restaurant, but this Roots Kitchen, where we currently are and we're talking about, it opened up last year in June, so it's still pretty, pretty fresh. Excellent. Um, great. So, you know, now let's go a bit back to, to, to the beginning of the story, because I'm always interested how chefs got to where they are right so where, where did you guys grow up well i myself yeah um i'm american um i was born and raised in maryland um moved around a lot spent a lot of time in different parts of the east coast um as i grew up and became an individual um though i um yeah how do i get my start in it i mean for me, cooking and working in restaurants for me when I was young, about the age of like 17 or so, was just a reliable source of income. You know, uh, bills start coming in when you're young and you got to figure out what to do with them. Uh, so I, at the time, you know, it was just washing dishes. And then uh, I, I ended up going to college for a few years, uh, small, small liberal arts college off of the coast of Maine on a small island there. Um, and while I was going to school, I was also working in restaurants, you know, a little pocket money, da 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 da. But then it, for me, it was, um, I was enjoying work more than school, and it kind of put things in perspective for me. Um, I was like, I, you know, I don't know if I need to take the traditional direction, you know. In, in America, there's so much pressure, you know, finish high school, go to college, get your, you know, your four year bachelor degree, and then good luck, go find a job. You know, I, I was already seeing so many of my peers struggling, uh, you know, the ones that were ahead of me, like, you know, finding a decent job and figuring out what to do with all of this uh, student loan debt that they had acquired. So I kind of uh, nipped that in the bud pretty quick. And I decided to devote myself to a career um, without the full college education. Um, Was it the same for you? Well, <clears throat> I didn't come around so far. I was born and grew up here in the region of Zurich, like about half an hour from the city, I would say. And now working here, so I didn't travel <laughs> as far okay. as Matthew did. 
And was food a big part of your upbringing for both of you? Like, you know, was it, you know, the, the first memory of you eating something amazing and you were like, you know, wow, that's, that's something that I, I really feel like I want to do in the future. Did you have that? Well, I think I had that, but it was much later than eating delicious, like much later than the first memory I have of eating delicious food. So maybe by the age of 12 or 13, I was considering maybe I should become a chef. Maybe I should follow this path. But I have memories from my childhood, I don't know, four or five years old. And you try. And you, and you Matthew, was it, the, was it similar? Yeah, I mean... I always spent a lot of time in the kitchen uh, as a child, helping or being in the way, maybe a mixture of the two. My mom tells a really funny story uh, from before I can remember. I got up in the morning before anybody else had, and she comes to find me in the kitchen with flour everywhere, mixed in a bowl with smashed eggs and toothpicks. And she said, what are the toothpicks for? She's like, you know, when you make a cake. I, I told her, you know, you test the cake with a toothpick. So obviously the cake also has to have toothpicks baked into it. So, I mean, me exploring and playing in the kitchen has always been part of uh, uh, myself, yeah. And what was your favorite dish growing up? Well, well me personally, um, putting my finger on one dish, man, that's a hard thing to say. Right. I think like lots of kids, you know, mac homemade macaroni and cheese that your mom might make on the weekend is always something super, you know, savory and indulgent. Um, but for me, really, what, what my go-to always has been for a long time um, is just uh, going and enjoying a nice dim sum, a full meal where you just are, you know, so stuffed that you need to take a nap afterwards. And, you know, that's that's always truly been my, my go-to. And you, Raphael? Mm, I remember my mom used to cook for us like pancakes with um, different stuffings like for lunch, you know, savory and sweet and whatever. And you could put on or inside of the pancakes, whatever you would like. And I really have good memories of, of those meals because you just, I don't know, try out new things like make sweet and savory for the first time. I don't know, you make Nutella with ham and you found out that maybe it didn't taste as good as you imagined it at that point. So, right. Yeah. And now when you guys go home, are you kind of expected to do all the cooking now that you're, uh, you know, famous chefs in Zurich? Uh, expected to do all the cooking. I, I mean, I think it's um, a responsibility I take on for myself. Um, I love my wife very much. She makes very good food. But I think between the two of us, we know where our strengths lie. And you, Raphael? Yeah, I mean, I can totally agree on that. So for me, it's always an important point. If I spend all my day at work cooking food, healthy, nutritious food for other people, that's the least I should do for myself in the evening when I get home. So, and my wife also works late for most of the time. It's me cooking dinner, but she's also a decent chef. <laughs> so, you know, I'm curious to know when, at what point did you decide that food really was something that you wanted to you know you wanted to be you wanted to go into i mean you know what was that moment when you decided hey you know what now i want to be a chef well i was about like maybe 14 years old and both my parents worked they came from school and i cooked my own lunch and i was fucking proud of that so 
I figured like maybe maybe if I follow that there's some future in it and that, yeah now here I am <laughs> and Matthew for me I've always really enjoyed sharing with others and I think it's um it's always been a super experiential thing for me um having something that I've created and and can give to someone, see the reaction and their enjoyment. Um, I've always, and when I was in school, I was very interested in science and super interested in art, and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. But I think you know, cooking is um, a really great solution that brings the two of them together, and it also allows me to like you know have that that something I've created and I can give and like provide it to somebody and really see their enjoyment out of it. Yeah, that, that's a big part of it for me, is the sharing. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of go through a bit of your career now um, to, to get to the point where you're at now. So did you study um, at university or college? Was it in the, um, you know, the industry, the, the, the catering industry, or was the hospitality industry, or was it com something completely different? Oh, for myself personally, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I, um, when I was younger, like 17 or so, I started working in kitchens just uh, out of necessity, a uh, good job, you know, reliable, fine job just about anywhere, washing dishes. Being familiar with like uh, the way kitchens work, it, for me, it was always just a matter of job security at first, but also like being around something that I was comfortable and interested in. Um, now, when I was in college i was going to yeah like a four-year school uh, working towards my bachelor's degree um but I, I just saw like the debt the student debt racking up that i couldn't uh, afford or pay for it was like very worrisome to me um so i really at that point in time decided to put all my eggs in the kitchen basket um and i really uh, I, I dropped out of school I started working full time just to make money and learn as much as I possibly could. And then it was um, my wife, she went to further her education. She was getting her master's degree. Um, and it was at that point in time, I was like, well, if you're going to further your education, I'm going to pursue mine a little more myself. So I, um, as I, I was still working in kitchens at the time, but I uh, enrolled in a culinary program near where we were living. So I did get some culinary education from from a school. I have a little degree in culinary education. Um, and, and during that time also, I was just trying to look for new experiences and did like a little intern apprenticeship kind of thing, which in the States isn't as common as it is in a lot of places. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Raphael, was it, you know, did you also study um, at university? How, how, how was that for you? I don't know if you're familiar with the system in Switzerland that we have with the apprenticeship. So it's like work and school together. Like you have normally a day of school per week and you work four days in the restaurant. Um, right. So I did that. I started at 15. It takes about three years. And then you have a final exam, which I passed as the third best in Canton Zurich. Which was also kind of yeah, kind of a proud moment oh, for myself. <laughs> Opening some secrets. Yeah. Yeah, and I think from pretty much from this moment on I knew that I am gonna have to go somewhere to still keep enjoying the industry, that I don't wanna just stay a chef. So 
I got out, worked in a few restaurants in Zurich, worked myself up first to chef the party, eventually to a sous chef, and eventually to a head chef. And where was that? Where was that career-defining training that you received? Which uh, which restaurant or, or which chef were you under um, that gave you that? Uh, well, I would say it was in, uh, in the restaurant Spitz near uh, the Lombus Museum in Zurich. I worked for okay. quite a time, first sous chef and then head chef. And the previous head chef, Niels, is a pretty good friend of mine, meanwhile. And yeah, I would say I learned so much from him, like not only about cooking, but also personally and managed to develop myself there. Okay, and Matthew? Where, where, where would you say your career-defining training or uh, influential chef that took you under his wing? Where, where, where was that? I, I had a couple experiences that were really, um, you know, yeah, I, it's, I would say pivotal for my career. Um, when I was in school, I found a, I was working in a private men's club. They had a, a really nice restaurant there. It was just in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and I was working under, uh, his name is Chef Curtis Ergel. He was there for years and it was a very, very classical institution. Um, very French kitchen. And there I learned a lot. I was also going to school at the time and I've, what I was learning in that kitchen, I definitely think surpassed anything I was learning at school at the time. I mean, it was a great education I was getting, but just the practical knowledge that I, I, I was able to pick up in the space, not only from him, but all, you know the other people I was working there with that had been working with him and coming from other places. This was really big for me. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence, but also, I mean, it was soul crushing a lot of times and, and, and a lot of like, I don't know, it can be very challenging. Sometimes the restaurant industry can be very harsh. Um, and oftentimes I find it's very ego driven. And this, this was definitely a learning experience for me there. Um, but after that, um, I mean, working in the kitchen industry, there's jobs everywhere, like I said. So, I mean, being able to move around was always something I was interested in. Um, so yeah, my wife and I, we moved to New York City. Uh, looking for cool jobs and opportunities as young professionals. And at that point in time, I started working at Momofuku Nishi, one of David Chang's restaurants. I kind of fanboyed uh, after him uh, for quite a bit of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's a cool guy. He makes cool food. And I was really, really into Mind of a Chef. And watching him on there was like really, really cool for me before I was even working in restaurants when I was younger. Um, so yeah, like having an opportunity to work in one of his restaurants was awesome. And I you know, just like being in, in New York City and the restaurant scene was super fun, really, really inspiring. But some of the people I worked there with were so cool. Um, and I still stay in touch with them today. Uh, we, we reach out, we exchange recipes and ideas, asking each other for like, hey, do you remember what we did that one time kind of thing? Like, what did we do? That was really good. Right. Did anybody write it down? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no. I think just like moving around and uh, meeting as many people as possible has been, I mean, there's so many pivotal moments, but there's inspiration from everybody. And if you keep your eyes open, you'll see it. Fantastic. So guys, talk to me a bit about your favorite style of food. Like, um, you know, before 
you uh, joined Roots and then, um, you know, after, you know, wh what, did, what are your favorite ingredients to work with? Hmm. A good question. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I have favorite ingredients to work with. I just like high quality products, but that doesn't mean that it has to be expensive, you know, like such as fresh vegetables, like coming back a little bit to the childhood memory, picking a fresh carrot in the garden, wash it under the hose and bite it. And you have this pure taste of carrot for the first time in your life. So I think that's what I seek in my products, just like the purity. So and, and the style, Raphael, what, what favorite style do you have? Um, Second hard question. I'm a lot into Asian food, like mm -hmm. I like Indian food, but also Chinese, Japanese, and Middle East. Yeah, that's what I would say. And Matthew? I'll have to agree with that. The palettes of these cultures I find are very interesting. Lots of just really simple, but also complex of flavors that are like very carefully and deliberately layered on top of each other. Um, growing up, uh, my, I was raised by um, my father. He was a refugee. He came from a small Chinese village in Vietnam. And so spending time with his, with my grandmother in the kitchen and just developing this palate is definitely like driven my, my, you know, my culinary decisions and, uh, the things that I like to cook personally. And if I have the opportunity to push these kind of flavors in the development of menus, I absolutely will. But it's also where I find my strengths. So of course I'm going to lean on them. Um, mm -hmm. This is another thing I was, I was really enjoying about uh, working at Nishi uh, in New York City. It was, you know, uh, I would definitely call it a fusion restaurant somewhere between like Japanese, Korean and Italian food. There's lots of parallels there. But it was really fun to play around with different cultures um, and kind of make a mesh of the food between, hopefully without offending too many people along the way. Right. And, you know, you talked a bit about the, those type of influences. Um, who would you say has influenced you the most in your, in your culinary journey? Mm, well, I think one of my personal favorite cooking books that I ever got for as was a birthday gift. It was Nose to Tail from Fergus Henderson. And yeah, it's opened my eyes to a lot of cool things. I would say this was And Matthew? Wow. A, a single person? Or, or two? Or I mean is there a, but the, is there anyone that just stands out to you and said, right, you know, that, you know, whether it's your, you know, your your grand parents or it's a i don't know a celebrity chef i don't know you know is there someone that stood out to you and said you know i you know he, this guy really influenced you know me. what and it's just going to be a really random answer because i never worked with him i just kind of knew him as a person and i always found him really cool he was like a family friend of my ours when i was younger um mm -hmm. uh he worked at a restaurant next door to the flower shop my mom worked at he was a chef there his name's tom sup tom um, I just thought he was such a nice guy. I, I remember eating his food. I really enjoyed his food. And he had a really nice, just like attitude. And I was like, you know what, this guy, he's, he seems so happy. He cooks good food. And I was around like 13 or so. I talked to my grandmother about it. I'm like, man, you know, maybe one day I want to do what Tom does. She's like, oh, you know, but Tom, he works the worst hours. Do you really want to have a job like that? 
But, you know, it was strangely inspiring to me. And, and I, I still think about that sometimes, actually. Wow, that's great. So, guys, what, what are your signature dishes, like, you know, at home and uh, also, you know, in the restaurant? Well, I would say, if I can speak for Maddie, one of his favorites. Please. It's uh, the chili. Yeah. If it's vegan or with meat, I don't care. But we just had it today for lunch, and it was awesome. Yeah, that went really well. the feedback from our customers. And what else did I like when we cook here for lunch? Yeah, fan favorites here at Roots Kitchen. There are definitely chilies on the list. Lasagna is a big favorite. Um, I think anything that's extremely comforting and familiar and very approachable to the to the non-vegan consumer, but still vegan, is something that's going to sell really well. Um, so we, we have some cool products that we have at our disposal. There's... Um, that we do really cool things like the chili and the lasagna, they're both made as a, a, a mincemeat alternative. We use a product called Akerhak, which is made from byproducts from a couple different industries. And it includes fava beans, um, sunflower seeds, as well as a pump, pumpkin seeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pumpkin seeds. And it was a product that was um, made in partnership from an extruder company that reached out to these other people that had the ingredients and they're like, hey, I think if we put your product through our extruders, we can make some cool things that would be really tasty for a lot of others. And so we got our hands on it. We've been having a lot of fun with it, doing all kinds of things. We did some Dan like, Dan noodles. Dan Dan noodle, for example. Yeah, that Everybody was great. Dan Dan. Dan Dan noodles went really well. We did some fajitas with it. Yeah, yeah we were having fun. Sounds fantastic. So touching on that now, you know, you talked about the menu. I'm curious, how do you go about designing a menu like you have at Roots? Well, because, you, you know, when you create a menu, I guess you need to base it on the assumption that you want as many people to come to the restaurant as possible. Um, even, you know, if it is uh, plant-based, um, so how do you how do you design a menu that appeals to like a large audience in switzerland so i think first of all we don't try to make vegan food per se so we're looking for food that we really enjoy what's yeah. comforting what would people like we also work a lot like with customers feedback since we have like direct contact with our customers every day we receive a lot of feedback we could think to work with and then we come up with strange idea like I don't know, Maddie says, like, do you think we can make a vegan, we can make meatloaf? And it's like, <laughs> why not? Let's give it a shot. And we just <laughs> right. try to work on that. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll manage, maybe we won't. But we just always try new things if it sounds weird in the beginning. But there's so many cool ways nowadays to replace um, animal products with plant-based products that you don't even have to think too far. Or have Indian cuisine, for instance. There's lots of vegan uh, recipes already or oh, it's so easy to transcribe them into a vegan vegan recipe and was the was the menu intuitive is it intuitive or you know are you constantly you know looking out what uh, your competitors competitors are doing or are you going online and pulling a recipe or are you going to a cookbook or is it simply just you guys hanging out trying testing saying you know what this is great. Yeah, I would say exactly that. And we make a point of sitting down every week 
um, sometime towards the end of one of the shifts when we're not too busy. And we, we sit down and we, we do this to stay ahead of ourselves as well. You know, the menu is written for next week, but the menu hopefully is already written for the week thereafter just to have a little comfort. Because when you have the demand of having to write a menu um, for like, let's say like the next day or like the next week, there's, I feel like for me personally, there's so much uh, pressure on myself that like I, I start second guessing or uh, I have like a creative block because of the pressure. But at this point, we've got ourselves in a comfortable place, a few weeks ahead of the menu. Um, but no, it's as simple as that. We just sit down and intuitively think of like, okay, well, what do we want to eat? What do the people say they're enjoying? What are they not enjoying and we can work around? Um, yeah, no. It's- and once you have that, uh, the, those ideas, those those recipes, do you bring in the staff? Do you bring in your friends to, to taste it? And then do you tweak the menu? What's the process? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things, for me personally, I feel pretty confident in a lot of the things. If, like, if I'm going to write it down on the menu, it's because I know I'm, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if there is something that we're curious about, you know, we're talking about, like, hey, maybe we want to do this, like with the meatloaf that we've been talking about. Um, you know, always there's, like, in the plant-based diet, there's always the desire for, like, the burger. I feel like it's always a big subject. Or, yeah... So I was like, okay, let's go big on the burger and just make it a meatloaf. Because if we can do a meatloaf, we can break it down into a burger. Super simple. Um, so yeah, we've been kind of doing some R and D on on that for a little bit, and we think we're at a place now that we're gonna we're gonna have that on the menu on Friday. But yeah, what it is is just you know when we have time, just playing around with the ingredients we have, and putting it in the oven, see if it works, tasting it, seeing anybody around us like, hey, eat this. What do you think? You like it? Oh, you think it's weird? Okay, yeah, I would start it again. Yeah. So do it again. That is good. Right. Like write that down and scratch everything else. Um, yeah. Plus, there's also a lot of things that we know that just work out. Like I don't know, you put an on curry on the menu, and you say, "Maddie, go for it. Do whatever you want," because we're pretty confident it will turn out nicely. And how, how does seasonality play into to the menu? Is it is it a focus of yours? Yeah, I definitely think it's something that we consider. Um, I mean, this time of year. You know, it's cold outside, it's wet outside, and there's lots of people that are maybe ill and maybe warm, comforting food. So, yeah, we definitely consider that. You know, and when summertime wraps back around and I'm already itching for it, you know, it's going to be a lot more fresher, lighter kind of menus. Yeah, different products are available. There Absolutely. Well. You know, it's, it's like, it's also like, you know, maybe we can get our hands on, you know, a summery kind of product, but, you know, at what price? You know, like, literally financially and where is it coming from so if it's it's just not worth it to us we're not going to play with it so we're going to take what we have available and make the best of it right so in the restaurant right now um is is there is there a a plate that kind of really sums up the concept so for instance if i come in tomorrow and i you know picked one or two dishes that truly defines the concept that you guys are aiming for, what dish would that be? That dish would be whatever we have available that day. And I think that's another really fun part of what we do. Interesting. Is every day we have one option and every day it's different. So when people come in on Monday, they see, okay, Monday, Monday we always do something like pasta. It's a really nice way for us to start the week. People, they like the nice, nice carbohydrates on a Monday, maybe after a long weekend. Um, 
but no, like every day, like I'm saying, every day is something different. So, you know, today we did uh, chili sin carne, and tomorrow, if if we had anything left over from that, we also have a buffet that we have. So if there's something left over from today, maybe it's available tomorrow on the on the buffet. But what we have is what you get. So we really try to make it as nice as possible to attract as many people as possible. Okay. Um, let me switch gears a little bit to uh, more running of the, the restaurant. Um, in your mind, uh, what's the most important quality that a chef needs to have? Like, what, you know, what, what characteristics are important for people in your position? Um, I would say it's very important to lead your stuff um, with knowledge, with with your character, like going. How I say it in English? Hmm. Like being yeah, stand out to people, so like they know what they have to do. Like they follow your example. Like, leading by people. doing. Yeah, leading yeah. Be by a doing. leader, not a manager. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess you know when you get into a leadership position in the kitchen, you know it's um, it's sometimes hard to discipline people for the first time, and uh, I guess there is a steep learning curve. And you know, talking to chefs um, that I have been doing recently, I, I feel like people bring in, well, chefs bring in people that plug in well. Yeah to them and to their personality. Do, do you also agree with that? Or how, what's the experience there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what you take from from the experience from working like 10 plus years in the kitchen. You can tell if a guy will fit in or not. And <clears throat> then you ask yourself, if it's gonna worth the trouble that it will cause. Because I think the industry it has kind of bad reputation in terms of how we treat employees in a kitchen, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, not talking about low salaries and stuff right now, but also about like choleric uh, head chefs screaming. I don't know. Everyone, bad yeah. attitude. We had guys that would throw pans at you or whatever. Oh, horrible for no, experience. Right. For no reason. That I don't even feel comfortable talking about. Exactly. Right. But I think this is something that belongs in the past, and now you can just build your team from characters that you think they will work nice together, and you lead them by example. That's interesting. You know, do, do, do you think that, you know, when you, you're going to be a chef, do you, do you feel that you need to live that life, right? That unpaid internship, getting shouted at? I mean, is that part of the process? Or do you think, uh, is it still happening? Or do you think that times are changing and, and it's not like it was, you know, 20 years ago? I wish, I hope that times are changing. It's changed for us since yeah. we started working here. Uh, at Ruth's Kitchen, so we both were married. Yeah. And finally, for the first time, as, since we work as chefs and are married, we have time in the evening to spend, I don't know, coming home, having dinner with your wife, this seeing is friends or whatever. This is a lifestyle that I never have lived as as an adult. And it just never was something that I even thought would be a practicality. You know, like when we were living in New York, there would be times, like maybe a whole month, where the only time that I would see my wife or she would see me is when the other one was sleeping. It's just, it's a really rough lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think if the industry want to have like a future where it still can work out, they definitely need to change that. We need to consider making jobs more attractive. 
Absolutely. pay them better, have better working hours, and so on. Yeah, I mean, let's talk a bit about the um, the the Swiss industry, the food industry in general. I mean, what's your take on like the options and the restaurants available in Switzerland right now? Do you think anything's missing? And you know, is the industry in in good health? Hmm. It's a bit political question, hard to answer. I think right. it took some pretty hard damage in the pandemic because lots of people found new jobs to work on. So let's say when we came out of pandemic, there were so many open positions for waiters and chefs. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, every year we train less and less and less chefs and waiters. So eventually it will be a peak where there's not enough people that have been trained every year, plus all those who left the industry. So I think, yeah, pretty much going there. I am getting a feeling from that talking to, to different chefs right now that there's really um, there's not so many experienced people out there looking for jobs like you can get you can hire um, chefs who can cook, you know, the fast food stuff. But like the, the, the good chefs in, in Switzerland, they, they seem to have disappeared. Maybe. Yes. I think just the, the way there to become a good chef is pretty tough and yeah. If you don't make it worth it or like sell it well enough, mm -hmm. then uh, there's not much hope. Yeah. <laughs> and, and were you guys at Roots during the pandemic? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Both of you. No, know. Me neither. I was still in New York at the time. Okay. No, that was great. Okay. But did, was, was there any lessons learned, you know, from wherever you were working at the time? Um, on the pandemic, um, you know, I've talked to chefs where they've said, you know, we wasn't ready for the, the delivery aspect of the business, right? So now, you know, they're, they're, they're doing 50% of their business uh, during the day and the evenings uh, in the, you know, with Uber right. and the likes, right? And they're taking a huge commission. Um, so, so the landscape has changed. I mean, what, what are your lessons learned in this time? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I had a lot of time to think about since the restaurant was closed in Schwitz. We didn't have any like delivery options. And as you mentioned, mm -hmm. some of them just uh, missed the moment. And then when it all started, there was enough concurrence already out there who was doing um, delivery and takeaway. So I worked a part-time job in some logistics just not to get fucking bored all the time right just to get by yeah and had right. some a lot of time to think about and that's where i think i came along with my different view on values like in personal life if it's worth it to work like 60 hours a week and right yeah but it gets you and now i'm here at roots i feel and matthew what was that like in um in the u.s yeah, in the U.S. and in New York especially, I mean, the pandemic hit really hard. Um, you know, from one day to the next, our restaurant was closed and uh, doors never opened again. Um, so that was hard for me. Uh, our employers were super decent to the company. Uh, we had got some good help from them, which was very helpful. But also, it's like we want to talk about the restaurant industry. It's it's often really rough, and people are often like paid very minimally. 
And for the first time in my career, I was like making decent money by staying at home. I mean, the income I was getting from the state during the pandemic for unemployment was more than I would make working 40 plus hours a week. And there is something completely wrong with that. Um, you know, and that's just how the system is, was at the time there. And you know, I'm not sure how much change has been made there. Uh, I, for us, it was a catalyst to move. Um, like I said, uh, my wife is originally Swiss. So we always kind of considered the idea of moving here. But at that point in time, it was very easy for us to make a decision like, well, you know, there's not so much going for us here. So let's look for some more opportunities somewhere else. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have those opportunities and we took them. Uh, but what did I do for myself during that time? I mean, I definitely stayed busy. I found we had some friends that had a nonprofit. I was volunteering, cooking with, providing food for you know underprivileged people, which there was more than enough of during the pandemic. So I was pretty busy. Uh, I had a, my hands in other projects as well, um, just community-based things. I think the pandemic really made people focus on community in a lot of way. Uh, for me personally, that's the perspective I got out of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So pandemic aside, um, what advice would you give to, you know, would be chefs out there in Switzerland? Is it, so, I mean, you've done this, um, you know, you guys are creating amazing products at, at, at Roots, uh, great menu, um, plant-based, handcrafted in Zurich. I mean, what advice and learnings is there to the would-be chefs or, or, you know, out there who are thinking, you know, to follow this path? Hmm. Be curious and stay curious, try different things. Um, there's no better learning as a chef, I would say, than try out things. No. So many lessons learned. That I made some stuff that I wouldn't do again just because it didn't work out. Plus, also set yourself some nice goals. You always need to know what you work for. So, see yourself in this position you wanna you wanna achieve, or the restaurant you may one day wanna own. It's your it's your goal. And Matthew? Yeah, I would completely agree. Uh, learning by doing is a huge tool. Um, and I think a lot of times people are hesitant and afraid of trying something that they're not familiar with, or maybe it seems like a bit overwhelming. You know, if you just break things down into parts and just try it, you'd be surprised by what you can accomplish. Um, but I would completely agree. Staying curious and just doing things, you know, it's also really hard, I feel like, for people to reach out and have communications. Uh, but I feel like asking questions is another really really uh, important tool for people to have you know if you know somebody that's maybe already in the industry and they're cooking ask them you know what do you do how'd you get into it you know how could i whatever you know um right yeah absolutely just try don't be afraid don't be afraid yeah. yeah and don't be afraid to fail because like if you feel uncomfortable pay attention it means you're about to learn something right so on that note, you know, what advice would you give to yourself, you know, at 20 years old? You know, I guess this would help, you know, the all the aspiring chefs out there who's listening. What, 20 year old me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I took some time off between high school and college and it was around 20 when I went to college. So I would really say to myself then, you know, 
focus in the kitchen. You know, this is what you're going to do. Like if I, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have just stuck to uh, some some really good time in the kitchens. Um, you know, like I said, I was like washing dishes at the time, you know, doing little side projects, peeling Brussels sprouts. I grew up on the eastern shore of Maryland. I mean, there's always oysters that need to be shucked. Um, yeah, so just having more practical experience when I was floundering and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I was already so close to it without even realizing it. And Raphael? Mm-hmm. I would advise myself to go out and see the world because I think the furthest I got, it was Rosa, Swiss mountains for winter season and just to go and see different places in different cities, even if it's just for three or four months, just to have this. Very nice. Okay. Thanks, guys. Look, I I just have three last questions to ask before we go. Um, And I'll start with, in your mind, is cooking an art or is it a craft? Obviously, it has to be both. Yeah. Because first you learn the craft and then you master it and then it's art at some point. Okay. And uh, if you guys were trapped on a desert island, what three items would you take with you? Good question. So definitely a knife. The chef needs a knife. Uh, probably a fishing rod and soy sauce. So I'll have myself a nice platter of sashimi every now and then. Nice. <laughs> Matthew? Yeah, I would. Uh, the knife is definitely there for sure. Uh, maybe even a multi-tool. Does that count as one item? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, so yeah, no, yeah, the, the knife. Maybe um, uh, magnifying glass so I can get some fire going. And rope. If you're going on an adventure. Very practical. <laughs> and do you guys have any social media accounts that our listeners can follow to see what you're doing, to see your work? Yeah, you can check us out on uh, our Instagram page, uh, at Roots and Friends. Uh, a lot of our what we're up to and our daily options, what's new in the locations, it's all posted there. Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend checking it out. That's great. So I'd like to thank our guests, Raphael and Matthew, uh, for being part of this podcast today. It was very interesting, very informative. And uh, I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Um, thank you, guys. And uh, I wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks. thank you. Thanks for having us. Goodbye. Ciao. Bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to this episode of Grab a Drink with a Swiss Chef. Hope you enjoyed it and are much more wiser for it. And as I tell you all the time, if you fancy giving us a rating, it makes a big difference. I know it's a pain, but your support is crucial. So if you do feel motivated, go to wherever you get your pods from and give a review or a rating. Obviously, we depend on listeners and depend on more and more people finding out about this pod. So if you've liked what you've listened to, A good review really does help. 
Thanks, folks. Really appreciate it.